friend, we're back. We are. Here we are again. What a week. What a week. <laughs> week of blessings. Yeah. It's been a week. It real for you, yes. Your My family. Yes. Yes. Praise God. It's okay. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. My husband got into quite the accident, spun out a couple times, and totally lost the back end of his car. Um, but you know what? He's okay. I mean, yeah, he hurts, but he's okay. <laughs> he's alive. Yeah, thank God no one was coming the other way. It was on a little oh country God. road. So there's a lot of blessings. Yes, there is. You know when you get a call at before before 8 in the morning? Yeah. It's really never going to be good news. No. Everyone's not in their area yet. Right. So you're still like, okay. Yeah. Middle of the night? Yeah. Before 8 a.m., it's not good. It's not good. So just prepare yourself. Yes, yes. But yeah, and then... And then, you know, still getting ready for the for the older one's graduation. That's very exciting. It's, yes, it is. Yeah. Very. What an accomplishment, you know? Yeah, it is. It's neat yes. to, to see them kind of move on to the next phase of their lives. Yes. How about you? Fine. Everything's good. Hanging in there. Everybody's well. Good. That's all we can know today. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yep. All right, friends. Do you want to start us in prayer? Sure. Lord, I know you are with me and love me. Give me peace of mind as I prepare for this time of study. Help me to focus on my books and notes and keep me from all distractions so that I will make the best use of this time that is available to me. Give me insight that I might understand what I am studying and help me to remember it when the time comes. Above all, I thank you for the ability to be able to study and for the many gifts and talents that you have given me. Help me always to use them in such a way that they honor you and do justice to myself. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Alrighty. If you heard a huffing and puffing, that was the dog. So, yeah. All right, friend. We are on, so essentially it's Isaiah chapter 6 through 12, but, you know, we got a little mishmash in there. Absolutely. So previously we talked about the prophets Jonah and Amos, and then, um, so we're not going to really review that, but... Yeah. I thought we could start the paragraph before our section begins here. In the Bible, it says, The northern kingdom of Israel, coming to the end of the most peaceful and stable dynasty in its history, begins to show the earliest signs of collapse. The promises of God's judgment from prophets like Amos begin to come into focus during this era, while the great prophets Isaiah and Micah begin their ministries in the southern kingdom of Judah. All right, so that gives us a little, little background. Now, moving on to 2 Kings chapter 14, verses 28 and 29. Um, I didn't have any, any notes really in there. Did you have any, anything? I just said that Jerob, Jeroboam's administration ignored policies of justice and fairness. As a result, the rich became richer and poor became poorer. The people became self-centered, relying more on their power, security, and positions than on God. Mm -hmm. That's all I have there. Very good, very yes. good. All right, so then moving on to Second Kings chapter 15, verses 8 through 12. Any notes for there? I just, I didn't really have anything to talk about there. I just had, um, we are responsible for the way we influence others. Beware of double sins. Ones that not only hurt us, but also hurt others by encouraging them to sin. Mm. Oh, anything else? Or? No, that's it. There. Okay, now, now you let me know if you have anything for these sections, because 
Yeah. I'm going to kind of roll through them. Okay. So 2 Kings chapter 15, verses 13 through 15. Nope. 2 Kings chapter 15, 16 through 22. Yes. Okay. I have um, for 2 Kings 15, 18, I put, um, what a horrible epitaph for a leader. Leaders profoundly affect the people they serve. They can either encourage or discourage devotion to God, both by their example and by the structure they give their organization. Good leaders do not put up obstacles to faith in God or to right living. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, 2 Kings chapter 15, 23 through 26. Nope. 27 through 29. No. And then we backtrack a little bit, unless I wrote this wrong, which is very possible. 2 Kings chapter 15, 6 and 7. Is it 15 or does it go to 16? No, it's 15, 6 and okay. 7. Okay, all right. I don't have anything. Okay, and then um, there was the parallel verse, which was 2 Chronicles chapter 26, 22, and 23. Nothing. Okay. All right, so now really we're going to start talking about Isaiah. Yes. And the paragraph before this next section, the ministries of Isaiah and Micah begin. Micah and Isaiah began their long prophetic prophetic ministries during the turbulent era of the collapse of the northern kingdom of Israel. Both of them spent most of their prophetic energies in the southern kingdom of Judah, but the spiritual condition of both kingdoms was important to both prophets. God used these two men to speak to his people in their time, but they also left us records of their prophecies that are meant to encourage and challenge us today as well. Mm -hmm. Friend, I thought we could read all of chapter 6. Wonderful. It's so good. Would you mind reading it? No, not at all. Okay. It, Isaiah 6, 1 through 13. It was in the year of King Uzziah, in the year King Uzziah died, that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their feet, faces. With, the two, with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, It's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to his people? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Yes, go and say to this people, Listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch closely, but learn nothing. Harden the hearts of these people. Plug their ears and shut their eyes. The way they will not see with their eyes, nor hear with their ears, nor understand with their hearts, and turn to me for healing. Then I said, Lord, how long will this go on? And he replied, until their towns are empty, their houses are deserted, and the whole country is a wasteland, until the Lord has sent everyone away, and the entire land of Israel lies deserted. 
If even a tenth, a remnant, survive, it will be invaded again and burned. But as a terebinth or oak tree leaves a stump when it is cut down, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed. That's beautiful. Isn't it? Yeah. Oh. It had said um, about Isaiah, so this, this is just a little something in our Bible. Yeah. When God called Isaiah as a prophet, God did not encourage him with predictions of great success. God told Isaiah that the people would not listen, but he was to speak and write his messages anyway, because eventually someone would listen. God compared his people to a tree that would have to be cut down so that a new tree could grow from the old stump. He was considered to be the greatest Old Testament prophet and is quoted at least 50 times in the New Testament. Is That's amazing. Yeah. He was to speak and write his messages anyway because eventually some would listen. Yes. Some. Not all. Yeah. Just some. Just like we pray for people, mm -hmm. no matter if we see anything, it's not our place. But yeah. We continue to pray. Yeah. Uh, would, was there anything there? Any notes or anything you want to talk about? I have about? one that I just loved. It said, the throne, this is regarding 6133, the throne, the attending seraphim, which are angels, and the threefold holy, all stressed God's holiness. Seraphim were a type of angel whose name is derived from the word burn, perhaps indicating their purity as God ministers. In a time when moral and spiritual decay had peaked, it was important for Isaiah to see God in his holiness. Holiness means morally perfect, pure, and set apart from all sin. We also need to discover God's holiness. Our daily frustrations, society's pressures, and our shortcomings narrow our view of God. We need the Bible, Bible's view of God as high and lifted up to empower us to deal with our problems and concerns. God's moral perfection, properly seen, will purify us from sin, cleanse our mind of our problems, and put them into perspective and enable us to worship and serve Him. Mm. I just loved that. It is. You know, why or how did, like, the generic picture of an angel come to be? I, you know, I wonder. Because, like, in, in society, in just the universe... Yeah. It, there's a generic picture of what an angel may look like, but mm -hmm. it says specifically what the seraphim looked like. Yes, they had they had six wings. Yeah, and they covered their feet because feet are creaturely. They are creaturely looking. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. And um, I learned that in another study. Oh, that's um, fascinating. On sprawl, yeah. So, um, and they covered their eyes because the holiness, they were in the presence of holiness. So they couldn't look. They could not even look. Even they are his angels. And, um, oops, so sorry. Oh, where it says he was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. And you can think of that song, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come and feel that you're present. Feel your presence, okay. feel the air, like just the billowing of even the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Or we think of the holiest of holy places when he was there. Yes. And just it feel like the, the feeling of the presence. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. I, I just, this is one of my favorite parts. I just love this. Yeah, it really is beautiful. And it's, it's, um, it's really kind of amazing just to sit and kind of picture it in your head. Yeah. And I don't know where the where that came up because it looks like a human being with wings. Yeah, yeah. 
but almost when I think of this Sarah with six wings, it not that it sounds frightening, but you know, maybe it sounds a little bit scary because it's something we're not used to seeing. I don't know. I that's how I feel. I, I, it's a great point. Maybe whoever at one point in time thought, oh. you know what, this actual depiction is frightening. Yeah. We cannot have this. No, no one's going to accept, you know. <laughs> I know it. I know. All right, let's see. Was there anything else there, Fran? Let's see. I just have one little note on 5 through 8. Sure. And it just says, letting God purify us may be painful, but we must be purified so that we can truly represent God who is pure and holy. Yeah. Though we know we will never be purified completely here on earth. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, because earlier in that note, it says the painful, or did you just read this? The painful cleansing process no, I didn't was necessary before Isaiah could fulfill the task to which God was calling him. So that had to happen Yeah. first. Yeah. All right. So moving on to 2 Kings chapter 15, verses 32 through 38. Did you have anything there? Let me check that out. No, I don't. Okay. And then the parallel verse was 2 Chronicles chapter 27, 1 through 9. No. And just in case this is your first podcast listening, first, thank yes. you. Uh, we're so happy you're here. But just because we skip over a section does not mean it, it isn't important. Right. It's just we don't want to get bogged down in minutiae. Um, so we will skip over little parts. Yeah. Okay, so now moving to Micah. Now, Micah's, oh, it's chapter 1, verses 1 through 16. The insert for him, it said Micah's main message was the prediction of the fall of both the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. This was God's discipline upon the people, actually showing how much he cared for them. Hezekiah's good reign helped postpone Judah's punishment. The importance of his message was choosing to live a life apart from God as making a commitment to sin. Sin leads to judgment and death. God alone shows us the way to eternal peace. His discipline often keeps us on the right path. Boy, that's it, Drew. Um, did you have anything you wanted to talk about in that section? Um, I have um, on Micah 1.1, Judah was enjoying great prosperity at this time. Of the three kings mentioned in the book of Micah, Jotham and Hezekiah had tried to follow God. But Ahaz was one of the most evil kings ever to reign in Judah. Morsheth was a Judean village near Gath on the border of Philistia. Philistia. Boy, that Ahaz. We're going to get, get into yes. him. Yes. Now, Micah 1.3 says, Look, the Lord is coming. He leaves his throne in heaven and tramples the heights of the earth. And the note for that said, The heights of the earth could simply mean mountaintops or may refer to the altars dedicated to various idols, mm -hmm. usually placed in elevated areas. Yeah. Um, anything else for there? That's all I have. Um, I think the only other note I had for there was two sins are identified in Micah's message. One, the perversion of worship, and two, injustice toward others. Mm. Okay, so moving on to... Um, 2 Kings chapter 16, verses 1 through 9. King Ahaz, is it Ahaz? Ahaz, that's what I say. Okay, King Ahaz of Judah did not do what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Um, mm -hmm. Anything for there? Well, first he um, was so depraved that he sacrificed his own son. 
to the pagan gods. Mm. This was a practice of the Canaanites whom the Israelites were supposed to have driven out of the land in the time of Joshua. And that, when I read that, I just started thinking about how there's always been a little something left. And mm -hmm. even in my own sins, like mm -hmm. if I just have a little bit left or if I, if I um, taste that sin again, whatever it is, then mm -hmm. I get back involved in it. And, yeah, you know, to say that it's awful, but we all continue to sin. We do. You know? We do. Yeah. And it is. It is, sometimes it's hard to read something like this and be like, oh my goodness. Now, yeah, that's horrible. That is horrible. But, I mean, we all sin. Yeah. You know, yesterday on 60 Minutes, did you watch it? No. They were talking about in the United States. Oh my goodness, where was it? I think Nebraska. Mm -hmm. There's a huge meat plant. It does 5% or 15% of the whole world. Oh, wow. Well... This this school, the, there's a school there, and they came to identify that children like 12, 13, were working there in the night shift. What? So the meat packing place, they did the meat all day. Well, in the from all night, like from midnight to 7 in the morning, they had a crew come and clean. And that crew hired... Of course, these kids' parents got fake documents and lied. But you could obviously see that these were little kids. Oh. So this is in today. To me, that's kind of a sacrifice of your child. These kids have been taken away from their parents in foster care now. This oh, is, is it that type of situation? Yeah. Or, oh. Because the parents, well, what happened is the kids came to school with chemical burns on them. Oh. Due to the harsh chemicals they are using to clean up blood and clean a, fact, a meat factory. And you just think, okay, well, he did this. Mm -hmm. But still to this day, kids are not treated properly in many ways. No. Or sacrificed. And, and you know what? Um, we were at the airport a couple weeks ago. It, what I saw took me, really took me by surprise. Because, you know, there's all sorts of like warnings and and like notes to people who are who are getting on the airline whatever and one of them was if you notice like child trafficking is against the law if you like see anything please alert security immediately and i was like oh like it does ha we all know it happens yeah. but i don't know seeing that sign i was like oh goodness yeah i, I it just hit me because we live in our own little worlds yeah. where we're not affected, really. And right. horrific things like that do happen. They do to this day. Yeah. Even in the United States. For sure, yeah. So, I don't know. I... And it goes on in, in public airports, you know. It... Gosh. Who would have known? Yeah. Yeah. Then I start looking around. And I'm like, oh, my God. Who's being... Who, who is it? Yeah, who's, what's going on now? Oh. Awful. Okay, friend. Um... Okay, Isaiah chapter 7, verses 1 through 9. Um, did you have anything for there? I just have the year was 734 B B.C. Ahaz, king of Judah and Jerusalem, was about to be attacked by an alliance of the northern kingdom of Israel and Aram. He was frightened by the prospect of the possible end of his reign and by the invading armies that killed many people or took them captive. But as Isaiah predicted, 
The kingdom of Judah did not come to an end at this time. The sign of Emmanuel would be a sign of deliverance. Okay, Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 25. I'm just going to read 10 through 12. Okay. Later, the Lord sent this message to King Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign of confirmation, Ahaz. Make it as difficult, excuse me, make it as difficult as you want, as high as heaven or as deep as the place of the dead. But the king refused. No, he said, I will not test the Lord like that. Good for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you, were there any notes? I just said, um, often we use an excuse such as not wanting to bother God or blaming some theological question that concerns us to keep us from communicating with him. Don't let anything keep you from hearing and obeying God. Yeah. And then would you mind reading 14 through 16, please? Not at all. All right, then. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. By the time this child is old enough to choose what is right and reject what is wrong, he will be eating yogurt and honey. For before the child is that old, the lands of the two kings you fear so much will both be deserted. Thank you. Yes. Now this is way back in Isaiah. I know. That they're talking about yes. this. Yes. The note for that said, um, Matthew one twenty three quotes Isaiah 7.14 to show a further fulfillment of this prophecy in that a virgin named Mary conceived and bore a son, Emmanuel the Christ. I know. Amazing. Yes. Anything else for there? I just have that uh, in flies and bees were symbols of God's judgment back then. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay, so now we move to Isaiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. Uh, any any notes for there? I have um, Isaiah 8, 1 through 4, 4, that these verses predict the fall of Israel and Aram. Aram fell to Assyria in 732 B.C., and Israel followed in 722 Isaiah put his message on a large scroll in a public place. God was warning all his people, the name of the child means swift to plunder and quick to spoil. And then I had, because the people of Judah rejected God's kindness, choosing instead to seek help from other nations, God would punish them. We see two distinct attributes of God, his love and his wrath. To ignore his love and guidance results in sin and invites his wrath. We must recognize the consequences of our choices. God wants to protect us from bad choices, but he still gives us the freedom to make them. Yes, he does. And that is a concept. <laughs> no, that's a concept that's hard to, like, understand. Yeah. And I still don't fully get it. I know. Like, I, I, I'm just being honest. But we are given the freedom to make choices. Yeah. I'm not sure any of us would completely understand it. You think so? Like well, even like heavy theologians? Well, they probably do. Oh, okay. I guess. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know. But they'll they'll have some backup of something. But <laughs> but us normal, easy. Us not normal. Us average folk. Right. Okay. All right. As Isaiah chapter 8, verses 11 through 22. Um, do you want me to read that one? Because I think you sure. read the last long one. Okay, the Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. And don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. 
He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe, but to Israel and Judah he will be a stone that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem he will be a trap and a snare. Many will stumble and fall, never to rise again. They will be snared and captured. Preserve the teaching of God and trust his instructions to those who follow me. I will wait for the Lord who is turned away from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my hope in him. I and the children the Lord has given me serve as signs and warnings to Israel from the Lord of heaven's armies, who dwells in his temple on Mount Zion. Someone may say to you, let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. With their whisperings and mutterings, they will tell us what to do. But shouldn't people ask God for guidance? Should the living seek guidance from the dead? Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another, weary and hungry. And because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. They will look up to heaven and down at earth. But wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into the darkness. Very good. Yeah, that's why I thought it would be nice to read some of these, um, yes. some of these sections, because they're just so beautiful. They sure are. Um, do you have anything for that? I do, but I'm going to read it backwards because I think it's better. Sure. So 821 8, says, After rejecting God's plan for them, the people of Judah would blame God for their trials. People continually blame God for their self-induced problems. And then 819 said, The people would consult mediums and psychics, seeking answers from dead people instead of consulting the living God. God alone knows the future, and only he is internal. We can trust God to guide us. And then 816, I just thought it made more sense this way. It sure. Says, because some people faithfully preserved the teaching of God and passed on these words from generation to generation, we have the book of Isaiah today. Each of us needs to accept the responsibility to pass on God's word to our children and grandchildren encouraging them to love the bible read it and learn from it then they will faithfully pass it on to their children and grandchildren anything else that's all i had for that okay so isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 through 7 verse 2 says the people who walk in darkness will see a great light for those who live in a land of deep darkness a light will shine um did you have any notes for the first part of that section I have the Apostle John also referred to Jesus as the true light. Jesus referred to himself as the light of the world. Whenever we see the lights of Christmas, let them remind us that they recall Christ, our true light. And then would you mind reading verses 6 and 7, please? For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven armies, heaven's armies will make this happen. Mm. Once again, referring to Jesus. Yes, always pointing to him. Yes. Always, yes. Isaiah chapter... Uh, chapters 9, 8 through 10, 4. Did you have anything for that? Uh, let's see what I have. 
I have something on 10.1. God will judge unjust judges and those who make unfair laws. Those who oppress others will be oppressed themselves. It is not enough to live in a land founded on justice. Each individual must deal justly with the poor and powerless. Do not pass your responsibility off onto your nation or even your church. You are accountable to God for what you do for the poor. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Moving on to Isaiah chapter 10, verses 5 through 19. I had one note. Although Assyria did not know it was part of God's plan, God used this nation to judge his people. God accomplishes his plans in history, despite people or nations who reject him. He did not merely set the world in motion and let it go. Because our all-powerful sovereign God is still in control today, we have security even in a rapidly changing world. And then would you mind reading verse 15? On Isaiah, right? Please, 10 yes. through 15. But can the axe boast greater power than the person who uses it? Is the saw greater than the person who saws? Can a rod strike unless a hand moves it? Can a wooden cane walk by itself? Thank you. Mm-hmm. And the note for that says, No instrument or tool accomplishes its purposes without a greater power. The Assyrians were a tool in God's hands, but they failed to recognize it. When a tool boasts of greater power than the one who uses it, it is in danger of being discarded. We are useful only to the extent that we allow God to use us. If God has given us resources and special talents, we must not regard them as our own creation or special privilege. Isaiah chapter 10 verses 20 through 34 would you mind reading verses 20 and 21, please? In that day, the remnant left in Israel, the survivors in the house of Jacob, will no longer depend on allies who seek to destroy them. But they will faithfully trust the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. A remnant will return. Yes, the remnant of Jacob will return to the mighty God. And the note for that says... Those who remained faithful to God despite the horrors of the invasion were called the remnant. The key to being a part of the remnant was faith. Being a descendant of Abraham, living in the promised land, having trusted God at one time, none of these were good enough. Are you relying on your Christian heritage, your participation in church, or a past experience to qualify you for belonging to God's family? The key to being a true Christian is faith in the mighty God. Anything else for there? Um, I have the way these cities are listed approximates the route the Assyrians would take in their invasion of Judah. They would go from Ayah at the northern border to Nob, only two miles from Jerusalem. Hmm. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 16, and I thought we could read all of that. Okay. Um, do you want to read this one? Or sure. Did you read the last one? I don't even remember. You did. Okay. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in and obey the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on heresy. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake in the at the force of his word, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt, 
and truth like an undergarment. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and a little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. In that day, the heir of David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the place where he lives will be a glorious place. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to bring back the remnant of his people, those who remain in Assyria and northern Egypt, in southern Egypt, Ethiopia and Elam, in Babylonia, Hamath, and all the distant coastlands. He will raise a flag among the nations and assemble the exiles of Israel. He will gather the scattered people of Judah from the ends of the earth. Then at last the jealousy between Israel and Judah will end. They will not be rivals anymore. They will join, join forces to swoop down the Philistia to the west, on Philistia to the west. Together they will attack and plunder the nations to the east. They will occupy the lands of Edom and Moab, and Ammon will obey them. The Lord will make a dry path through the gulf of the Red Sea. He will wave his hand over the Euphrates River, sending a mighty wind to divide it into seven streams, so it can easily be crossed on foot. He will make a highway for the remnant of his people, the remnant coming from Assyria, just as he did for Israel long ago when they returned from Egypt. Thank you. I know okay. that was that was a read, but... Oh, that's okay. All right, so one of the notes that I had is... Assyria would be like a tree cut down at the height of its power, never to rise again. Judah would be like a tree chopped down to a stump. But from that stump, a new shoot would grow, the Messiah. He would be greater than the original tree and would bear much fruit. The Messiah is the fulfillment of God's promise that a descendant of David would rule forever. Anything else? I have Isaiah is talking about a new or second exodus when God will bring his scattered people back to himself and the Messiah will come. The Lord dried up the Red Sea so the Israelites could walk through it on their way to the promised land. He dried up the Jordan River so the nation could cross into the land. God will again provide the way of his return for, of return for his people. Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. Um, I'll read this one. This, uh, this section is called Songs of Praise for Salvation. In that day you will sing, I will praise you, O Lord. You were angry with me, but not anymore. Now you comfort me. See, God has come to save me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. With joy you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. In that wonderful day you will sing, Thank the Lord, praise his name. Tell the nations what he has done. Let them know how mighty he is. Sing to the Lord, for he has done wonderful things. Make known his praise around the world. Let all the people of Jerusalem shout his praise with joy. For great is the Holy One of Israel who lives among you. Anything? 
This chapter is a hymn of praise, another graphic description of the people's joy when Jesus comes to reign over the earth. Even now, we need to express the depth of our gratitude to God by thanking him, praising him, and telling others about him. Now, Isaiah chapter 17, verses 1 through 14, I didn't have anything. How about you? Let's see what I I just have, God says we will reap grief and pain if we depend on temporal things to give us eternal security. If we don't want the same treatment Damascus received, we must turn from the fall allurements and trust in God. Second uh, Kings chapter 16 verses 10 through 18. I just had one note. The evil King Ahaz copied pagan religious customs changed the temple services, and used the temple altar for his personal benefit. In so doing, he demonstrated a callous disregard for God's commands. We condemn Ahaz for his action, but we act the same way if we try to mold God's message to fit our personal preferences. We must worship God for who he is, not what we would selfishly like him to be. And if your church is involved in that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. the old, old ones are the ones that just were strong and steady and ran the race. Maybe that's who we should be. The ones that just have strong roots. Yeah. Though there's always going to be fallen people. But I'm sure. saying, like we always say, there's not going to be something new in the Bible. Right. That's why I always go to your Bible. Like yeah, if you, always. If you're gonna, like, if you have a question, I don't know if that sounds right. Like... Go to your Bible. Yeah. Yep. You're right. Read about it yourself. Yes. There's nothing wrong with going in there and, and just doing your own research. Exactly. Okay. And then the parallel verse is Second Chronicles chapter 26, verses 16 through 25. Did you have anything for there? Difficulties and struggles can devastate people or they can stimulate growth and maturity. For Ahaz, deep troubles led to spiritual collapse. We do not need to respond like Ahaz. When facing problems or tragedies, we must remember that rough times give us a chance to grow. When you're facing trials, don't turn away from God. Turn to him. See these times as opportunities for you to claim God's help. Okay, Second Kings chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. I just had a little something about Hezekiah. It was oh, just okay. in the insert. Ahaz's son, Hezekiah, is now king of Judah. He was one of the few kings of Judah who is constantly aware of God's acts in the past and his interest in the events of every day. The Bible describes him as a king who had a close relationship with God. As a reformer, Hezekiah was most concerned with present obedience. Anything that you wanted to talk about regarding um. him? I had, we must be careful that aids to our worship don't become objects of worship themselves. Most objects are not made to be idols, but they become idols by the way people use them. And then Second uh, Chronicles chapter 29 verses 1 and 2 is the parallel verse. Anything for there? I don't. Do you? I don't, no. No. 2 Kings chapter 15, verses 30 and 31. Just Hosea was Israel's last king. That's pretty amazing. That's mm -hmm. the last king. Yeah. And then uh, 2 Kings chapter 17, 1 through 4, he began his reign in Israel. I didn't have any notes. Did you? This was probably Shalmaneser V, 
who had become king of Assyria after, oh gosh, Tiglath-Pileser, sorry. Oh. He continued to demand heavy tribute from Israel. Israel's king Hosea decided to rebel against Assyria and join forces with King So of Egypt. This was not only foolish, but also against God's commands. To destroy this alliance, Shalmaneser attacked and besieged Samaria for three years. But just before Samaria fell, Shalmaneser died. His successor, Sargon II, took credit for capturing the city, destroying the nation of Israel, and carrying away its people. Mm, those names. I know. Gosh. Yes. That's all I had. How about oh. you? Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, whenever we were reading regarding um, 2 Chronicles 28, 22, when it was saying, when facing problems or tra tragedy, we must remember that rough times give us a chance to grow. When you're facing trials, don't turn away from God. Turn to him. See them as an opportunity for claiming God's help. Mm. So for me... I'm going through some health issues and a lot of things, life things, and I was so overwhelmed mm. for the whole weekend and yesterday, and I have a loving husband who has to listen to me <laughs> many times, but I finally just stopped and prayed a minute and breathed and thought, every answer I have is in God's Word. Mm -hmm. And I... I cannot answer all of it today in this minute. Yeah. It, I have to be patient and be still. And the peace I had with that. Good. Oh, good. You know, if yeah. we if we just give it to him. Mm -hmm. Not that we're expecting him to fix it our way. Yeah. But to help us understand why we're where we're at. Yeah. So, I don't know. That just touched home for me. Maybe it does for someone else, too. That's that's amazing, yeah. and that's that's so nice that you were able to get some peace. He he gave you some peace. He did instantly, and the, you know, I'm someone who is anxious about some things. Mm -hmm. Not I don't really worry about it, but I'm like, there's things I haven't accomplished through my life that I wish I could have. But mm -hmm. I'm learning that maybe I'm not supposed to accomplish those things. Okay. Or persevere over certain things. Maybe. Those are things that keep me closer to him because I have this whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Because God's, like, God saw, he's seen the whole thing. So, yeah. he knows that if you went that route, you weren't going to be able to accomplish what he needs you to do. Yes. Amen. Amen. So, and I'm not here for myself, mm -hmm. you know. So, I just really liked that and when I read that I just loved you know it just hit home for me so yeah you know it's so crazy because the whole thing that happened with Chris last week you know you hear people say oh you know you never know when something's gonna happen and which is true it is true but then something happens and you're like okay you've got you've got my attention <laughs> or whatever I'm, I'm awake now okay yeah. I hear you because honestly if if there was a car coming the opposite way, because it's a country road, it's one yes. way each way. If there was a car coming the other way, he'd probably be dead. He would be. Honestly, yeah. I would have gotten a call from the police. Yeah. You're just thankful. You're reminded. Yeah. Because he called me right afterwards. Like, right afterwards, when he found his... I think someone gave him his phone and stuff, and 
when he started talking, I'm like, oh, no, something's not right. Because he sounded like he was looped up on something. Yeah. Like he was still in, in a daze. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, what happened? Like, thank you, God, that he's here. And, yes. But it's, you just think the worst. You do. And sometimes what we think is the worst does happen. Yeah. And there's a reason for it. Yeah. But we may not always have the answer. And then I, you know, I go down that, that dark hole of what if that happened to one of my boys? What if, you know, yeah. and it's like, okay, no, that's the devil. Yes, it is. It didn't happen to them. Deal with, with what's going on right now. Yes. Rebuke him. Yeah. Good girl. You know, and, and it, all of this is to glorify him. Yeah. Something about this is, is, you know, is going to be to glorify God. Yeah. In one way or another. Yeah. We don't know what it did to the other man mentally. It yeah. might have just, I mean, he was very honest. So we can see that maybe. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, we have no idea what's going on on the other side of the. No. Of the coin. Mm -mm. But uh, it's crazy. Life is crazy. Yes, it is. And we're blessed to have the Lord. Amen to that. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Anything else, friends? That's it. Yeah. That's it. All right. Let's All give right. out some information. Okay. The email is basicbiblestudy19 at gmail.com, facebook.com slash mybasicbiblestudy. So Instagram is at mybasicbiblestudy, and then Twitter is basicbiblestudy. And then the website is mybasicbiblestudy.com. That's where you can find all of the podcast links. And then um, Facebook.com is where um, I put all of the, the readings that we're doing. Okay. Now, next time, easy peasy, Hosea. <gasps> oh! Just the book of Hosea. Next time we meet, I will have a graduated... Well, he's actually already graduated. He graduated yeah. in the winter. But he will officially have walked the stage. Amen. Yeah. That's right. And that party will be completed. Amen. I gotta tell you, God bless all of the parents who have graduation parties, wedding parties, engagement oh. parties, the baby showers. Baby showers, wedding showers. Any sort of thing where there's going to be a gathering at your house and uh. major cleaning needs to happen. God bless you. God bless you. All right, yeah. friend. All right, God bless. Have a blessed week. Yes.